Welcome back to you. This is the place for everything breakup healing, decentering your ex, and recentering yourself. I'm Evelyn Christine, and let's start getting back to you. This episode is brought to you by my bed and my menstrual cramps. Thanks for being here. (laughs) So I'm in my bed today. I'm having the worst cramps of my life today, you guys. I got my hot water bottle here. I'm all Tylenoled up. The sound quality is actually a lot better in here than in my living room. So maybe maybe this is turning into like a, a more comfy podcast where we just chill in bed and, and, and talk about relationships. We'll see. So I recently made an Instagram post, 23 things I learned in 2023, and I thought, I should expand on it and maybe make it into a podcast episode and actually kind of get a little deeper into all 23 things on this list because I feel like all of these things on this list are sort of generic things that you see online as like affirmations or whatnot. And they're actually all very like deep and important, if you know what I mean. And so I figured it would be important to like actually explain them a little bit more and get deeper into why these things made it onto my list of 23, how they've impacted me in my life, and how I'm going to be taking them into 2024. That's insane to say, 2024. I'm having a hard time being with that. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The years are getting on. Anyway, (laughs) these are 23 things I learned in 2023. The biggest breakthrough that I had this year was number one. And so starting at number 23, I would rather feel the pains of heartbreak than never feel the beauty of love. I feel like for a long time, I really tried to like find a loophole around not feeling heartbreak, but that's something that's going to happen. If you have big goals, if you want to live a big life, if you want to be in love, even if you want to have like a big career and have friends, heartbreak is going to happen. If you are up to big things, Your heart is going to break every single day. And guess what? That's actually what it was made to do. Your heart was made to be broken over and over and over again. And with the right tools, having your heart broken over and over again will have it open more every single time rather than close up more every single time. Number 22 is that some people will always misunderstand you and that's okay. Some people intentionally want to misunderstand you. Some people have this idea of you that you need to fit in for their whole narrative of their reality to work, and they can't see you any other way, and that's okay. We can't control how people see us. All we can control is who we are, and that's that. Number 21 is that what I want has nothing to do with what I'm committed to. Some people call this like discipline over motivation, and basically what this means is like, So yesterday, for example, I was having a really tough day. I've been having a really emotional week. My hormones leading up to this period have just been insane. And then my cramps have been insane. I wonder if there's some kind of correlation between like your insane emotional fluctuations and then having really intense cramps. Because last month, my emotions were fairly steady and my cramps weren't that bad. But this month, super emotional, super bad cramps. Anyway, off topic. 
I've been having a really emotional week. I've been really anxious. I was in Vancouver for the holidays, seeing my friends and family, and then like coming back to Montreal. It was just like a bit of a weird adjustment. And yesterday was like particularly hard. I was like really in my feels, but I had committed my day to like, I'm going to have my client calls and then I'm going to go to the gym. And then I also said I would record a podcast episode, which I didn't end up doing. I'm doing that today. But After my client calls, I was like, I don't want to go to the gym. I want to sit in bed. I want to smoke a joint. I want to watch The Simpsons and I want to cry. I don't want to do anything. But me wanting to sit in bed and not do anything and not go to the gym, that has nothing to do with the fact that I committed to going to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym has nothing to do with anything. It's just what I want. What I'm actually committed to is improving my health, showing up for my clients, showing up for my business. That's what I gave my word to. I gave my word to my clients. I gave my word to my business. I gave my word to my health. And so what I want actually has nothing to do with that. And so I fucking rallied, gave myself a little pep talk and I went to the gym and I felt so much better after. Every time I do what I'm committed to rather than what I want, I feel so much better. Number 20 is that my feelings are just my feelings, not my identity. Our feelings are, they're not valid or invalid. They're just feelings. They're just things that happen. They're chemical reactions that happen in our brain due to certain circumstances we're in. And that's just it. Just because I'm sad right now doesn't mean like I am a sad person. Likewise, just because I'm happy right now doesn't mean I am a happy person. I am Evelyn. That's who I am. My emotions fluctuate daily, hourly, minutely. (laughs) Is that a word? Um, Just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean I need to take it on as my identity or really give it any more substance than it's just something I'm feeling. And I can coexist with it just like I did yesterday. Just because I was feeling sad, I could feel sad and go to the gym, right? It's not like, oh, I want to go to the gym, but I'm sad. I want to go to the gym and I'm sad. You can coexist with these things that you're experiencing. You don't need to take them on and then stop your life. Number 19 is that being the bigger person sometimes means being bigger for myself. Someone in my breakup group actually said this and it blew my mind. It's such a beautiful sentiment because oftentimes like when we have conflict with someone, it's like, I want to be the bigger person. I don't want to seem immature by not replying to this text. I don't want to seem immature by not giving them any more of my energy. But being the bigger person doesn't mean abandoning yourself. Sometimes I need to be the bigger person for myself, and that might mean doing something uncomfortable like setting a firm boundary or not engaging with someone who does not treat me even remotely close to the way I deserve to be treated. Number 18, most of the time I only respond to what I hear, not what's being said. So what this means is basically like, We are experiencing life sort of through a filter always based on like our past experiences and our upbringing, our beliefs, our thoughts, our feelings, all of that. And oftentimes we can't hear anything outside of that filter. Someone will say something to me and I'm interpreting it in whatever way will fit my narrative and my reality. And I will respond to what I hear rather than just straight up listening to what the person is saying and responding to those exact words that are happening. And that's like such an innate human thing that we do. We're always listening to life and people through this filter. And it's so interesting how often we'll just like jump to conclusions based on our filter and then we won't fully communicate it. And then what we say goes through the other person's filter and we have this whole conflict that really doesn't need to exist. 
It's so fascinating to me. Number 17 is that I have anxiety. My anxiety does not have me. This is really similar to like my feelings are just my feelings, not my identity. Yes, I have anxiety. It's something I deal with on a daily basis, but I don't need to let it have me. I can coexist with it. For so long, I sort of used my anxiety and my mental health as like a cop out, as sort of an excuse to not fully like own up to my word or show up for the people I love and and stuff like that. When really like my anxiety, similar to what I want, has nothing to do with what I'm committed to. My anxiety has nothing to do with anything. It's just my anxiety. And I don't really need to let it stop me from doing these things I need to do. Of course, there's things to be responsible for. Like I need to do a proper like nighttime routine to be able to actually sleep. I need to do a proper morning routine to be able to get about my day. I need to meditate quite a bit to like get back in touch with myself. Sometimes I need to take a breather before I respond to someone. There's things to be responsible for, but I don't need to let it run my life. Number 16 is that my thoughts are separate from my consciousness. This exists in the same domain of like my anxiety doesn't have me and my feelings are just my feelings. We have something like 60,000 thoughts a day and a lot of them are ridiculous. I was just sharing this with a client. Whenever I walk over like a pedestrian overpass that's over a highway, I get an intrusive thought of jumping over. I have no suicidal tendencies. Like my mental health has been solid for a long time now. But we have thoughts, like our brain just randomly pops things up. And that isn't necessarily me. Just because I have a certain thought that doesn't align with me or doesn't work for me, that's not true to my identity and who I am. Our brain just pops up with weird things. And I don't need to act on every single thought I have. Some thoughts are more productive than others. Number 15 is that it doesn't make me weak to ask for help. I feel like this is a really basic thing, but it's true. For so long, I felt like I had to do everything on my own and I was afraid to ask for help. I was even afraid to like Google questions that I had about stuff because I was like, I need to have all the answers and I need to be the only one who has all the answers. I'd be like embarrassed to get on the internet and find out I'm not the only person who who's trying to do a certain thing. But asking for help does not make me inferior in any way. Number 14 is that there is a lesson to learn from everything in life, even when it can't be seen. So for a long time, whenever I would get out of a relationship or a situationship or any kind of situation, I'd be like, I should have known better. If I had just done this, that wouldn't have happened. But those exact circumstances are what needed to happen for me to learn the lesson to have prevented me from doing the thing. This sort of lives in that same domain of like, I'd rather feel the pains of heartbreak instead of never feeling the beauty of love. Yes, things hurt in life. There are negative things that happen that affect us, but there's lessons to be learned that we can apply to our lives moving forward. And so it's like, do I want to dwell on, I shouldn't have done that. I should have known better. Why did that happen to me? Why did I do that? Why did they do that? Or what can I pull from that situation so that I can avoid that in the future or so that I can make a new mistake to learn something new rather than repeat a pattern? Number 13 is that other people's perceptions of me don't dictate my worth. I used to be such a slut for validation. Like I really needed everybody's approval. I needed everybody to like me. And if somebody had a negative opinion of me or didn't like me, holy shit, the world would end. But other people's perceptions are just other people's perceptions. And actually since seeing that, I hold no weight to my perceptions of other people. 
I'm ready to be proven wrong about anyone at any time ever since I like discovered that for myself because my opinions of people are so biased and are so based on, like I was talking about earlier, my filter of life and reality. And just because somebody has a certain perception of me based on certain information that they might have or a certain experience they have with me isn't true to my whole life. They saw a certain sliver of me maybe when I wasn't at my best or when something, you know, didn't go down the way they wanted it to go. And of course, there's always things to be responsible for. But if someone doesn't like me, that's just their perception. And that doesn't actually infiltrate my perception of my worth unless I let it. Number 12, this is my favorite. This should be much higher up the list, honestly. But Evelyn gets upset and pissed off, but a leader does not. This is one of the biggest takeaways from this year since becoming a coach is that like, yeah, Evelyn gets upset. Evelyn gets pissed off. Evelyn has bullshit in her life. But when I'm a coach, when I'm a leader, when I'm showing up for my clients, I am bigger than that. A leader is unaffected by the fact that a client is in a loop over and over again and and can't experience a breakthrough with a certain thing. Evelyn is unaffected by the fact that a client can't see a certain distinction I'm trying to provide. A leader will go, okay, I'm not doing something here. I need to pivot. Something needs to change. And even oftentimes, like, I'll have shit going on in my life. And I'm like, I don't know if I can show up for my clients right now. I don't know if I can be an effective leader right now. But I literally will visualize, like, okay, Evelyn, you're going in the drawer right now. These problems will be here for you to deal with after our session. They will still be there to worry about later. You're putting on your leader hat right now. And what does a leader do? A leader is the possibility of making a difference. Number 11 is to keep improving what's working instead of trying to make what's not working work. This has been a big thing I learned in like running my business, being on a lot of social media platforms. Rather than spreading myself so thin, trying to put equal amount of energy into things that aren't necessarily all working the same isn't actually doing me a service. So like, for example, TikTok is my main source of bringing in traffic, getting engagement, getting potential new clients and leads and stuff like that. And so that's where I'm going to put most of my energy. Instagram, on the other hand, I have a difficult time with. And while I do want to grow on Instagram... If I am putting the same amount of energy into Instagram and TikTok, I'm kind of doing a disservice to my TikTok, which is really strong and I'm really good at and I know how to grow that. And so if I put more energy into it, that will just provide me exponentially more growth. And while I do want to be better with Instagram and and sort of master that algorithm, TikTok is working. So I'm going to keep improving what's working rather than trying to make what's not working work. It's not like Instagram's not working, but... I'm going to need to pivot. I'm going to need to find a new strategy for that. But in the meantime, I will keep improving TikTok. Number 10 is that breakdowns are the window to breakthrough. This is really huge for me. I recently had a sort of quote unquote situationship thing end. And it was interesting. I really got my hopes up and I really got ahead of myself with it. And when it didn't work out, I was pretty crushed. And then I was crushed that I was crushed. I was like, this wasn't even really like a significant thing. I didn't know him super well. We didn't spend a lot of time together. Why am I so upset about it? I shouldn't be upset about it. But then I remembered this thing. Breakdowns are the window to breakthrough. The fact that I kind of put my all into it. I like really put my all into it and like gave him and the whole thing a really full shot. 
which I haven't done for probably about a year. So I think that in itself is a huge win for me. And then it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And I was crushed. And that was a bit of a breakdown. But the fact that I had a breakdown is like a testament to the fact that I'm committed to something bigger. I'm committed to putting myself out there and really finding a love that I want to work for me and a beautiful mutual relationship with someone who wants to grow with me. And so the fact that I had that breakdown shows that I am committed to having that breakthrough. And then that in itself was a breakthrough to see that and to like re-see for myself breakdowns are the window to breakthrough. It shows that I'm committed to something bigger. And so rather than going, I tried, I put myself out there, it didn't work. I'm going back into hibernation for another year. I can take what I learned from that, fall down, get back up in one motion and get back out there and keep looking. Number nine is that everyone who I've ever come in contact with has contributed to my life. I have learned something from every single person who has touched my life, even if I can't specifically remember them or remember how they contributed to my life, they did in some way. Like that saying, I'm a mosaic of everyone I've ever loved. I'm a mosaic of everyone I've ever come in touch with. Even the negative situations, even the people I don't want to remember, they significantly contributed to my life. The people who did me dirty, they contributed to my life in some positive way and provided a lesson for me that made me stronger, made me bigger, made me greater, and helped me get to where I am right now in my bed with a hot water bottle with you guys. (laughs) Number eight is that I've lived my whole life as if I'm a bad person waiting to be found out. This was a huge breakthrough I had in a seminar I took a couple months ago. When I was like four or five and experienced my first failure, the command I told myself was that I'm a bad person and I have been living life like somebody's going to find out I'm a bad person. And so I've been an insane people pleaser. I've been committing myself to things I can't follow through on. And then likewise, I have not been open to criticism. Like people have not been able to give me constructive feedback or criticism or tell me that I did something wrong because that means they found out I'm a bad person. And this was a blind spot that I couldn't see that was driving my life. But as soon as I saw it, I was free. Now when it comes up, I can go, there I am being a four-year-old again, thinking I'm a bad person. Number seven is that being authentic, open, and vulnerable is the access point to creating deep connections. A really common thing that we do as human beings when we experience heartbreak or hurt or something not going our way is we close ourselves off more. We go, okay, what's my technique going to be for the next thing? How am I going to navigate this without getting hurt? What information do I need to withhold? I even saw a TikTok a while ago that was like, ladies, never tell your new man how your last man did you dirty because then you're like showing him the the standard of how poorly you're willing to be treated, which is like bullshit. If someone's going to treat you poorly, they're going to treat you poorly, period. And I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean like trauma dump on the first date, but being open and authentic and vulnerable is how people see who you really are and if they actually want to get enrolled with that. And if you are open and authentic and vulnerable and they go, okay, that's not really going to work for me, that just means it's not your person. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or anything that you need to change next time. It brings you closer to finding someone you're actually aligned with rather than you both wasting each other's time dancing around, not saying what needs to be said, and then finding out years down the line. You just get it out of the way. 
Number six, it's better to take risks and face rejection and failure than to live a small and safe life. This is really similar to like being authentic and open and vulnerable as the access point to creating deep connections. And also similar to like how your heart is meant to be broken over and over and over again. Taking these risks and then facing rejection is the essence of life. Like this is how we grow. This is how we experience a big life. If you're up to big things, if you want a big life, you're going to have to take big risks and experience big heartbreak. Or you can live a small and safe life and never take any risks ever. I mean, that works too. But I would rather have my heart broken every single day, face rejection and failure, fall on my ass, get back up, than to live a small and safe life. Number five is that true love is fully accepting someone for everything they are and everything they're not. Loving someone. I mean, it's just that. Accepting them for everything they are and everything they're not. We should never be in relationships expecting people to change. We can help them and guide them towards improving themselves and and making changes that they want to make. But if you really want that person in your life, if you really, really want to experience the true essence of love and relationship and not just romantic relationships, but friendships and family relationships, all of that, it's accepting them for everything they are and everything they're not. And I think there's not too much more to add to that. Number four is that there are no toxic people, just people dealing with what they're dealing with. I've gotten some backlash on this one and that's okay. Not everybody can kind of wrap their head around it and that's fine. But as soon as I got this distinction for myself that there are no toxic people, suddenly all the quote-unquote toxicity and all the quote-unquote toxic people in my life disappeared. And that's not that like people left my life. It's that I no longer saw people as toxic. I've been able now to get over into other people's worlds and see what's going on for them and how it's occurring for them that they're acting in this way. And that doesn't mean that you need to tolerate inappropriate or hurtful behavior but it just means that like this whole like you're a toxic person it's not the case sure yeah like I said there's inappropriate behavior there's hurtful behavior like stuff like that but this whole concept of toxicity to me just feels like a cop-out that we've created as a society so that we don't have to deal with people that we don't understand or don't want to understand number three is that life happens in the mundane moments I feel like as human beings, we just really wait for these big grand moments to happen. We're waiting for like the next vacation, the next big love, the next like big profound moment and everything else in between is just dead air. But life happens in the mundane moments and like the moments that I'm sitting in my bed and my cat comes up to make biscuits on my chest or when I'm doing the dishes or like when I'm doing any chores at home or just anything like that. If you can't romanticize the mundane and and make it beautiful and enjoy it, then you're living a someday life. You're living a life like, okay, when, when I finally get that apartment, I'll be happy. When I go on that vacation, that'll fix me. When I get a partner, that'll fix me. When the truth is, all there is to life is right now in this moment. Number two is that my quality of life is in the quality of my relationships. I don't really know how much I can add to that. I think that statement just really speaks for itself. If the people I love, if the people in my life aren't happy, like if our relationship isn't working, my life isn't working. And this is this concept of like viewing yourself as relationship. Rather than seeing yourself as a part of this relationship, seeing yourself as the relationship, I am this relationship, changes everything. 
my happiness lives with the people I love and their happiness lives with me. And it's not like I need them to to be happy and they need me to be happy. Like at the same time, we are our own sources of happiness. But when the people in my life are happy, fuck am I happy? And nurturing all the relationships you have in your life, all of them, not just the romantic ones, your family, your friends, your cashiers at the grocery store, the people you see at the gym, like the regulars at the cafe you go to. All of those relationships contribute to the quality of your life. And number one, finally, is that my words create my reality. I talk a lot about the power of language, the power of our word. Our word is everything. Our word is our bond. Our word is the most powerful, divine thing that we possess. And so many of us are out here being so reckless with it, tearing down each other's lives with it. But my word is everything. Everything in life came into fruition by word. Whether or not you're religious even, like the mountains weren't mountains until somebody called them a mountain. Everything in life was an idea that became a word that somebody then acted on. And when you have something that you want to create in your life and you enroll the people in your life in it by sharing it with your language, with your word, you're creating a foundation that's gonna help you actually fulfill on it. Your word is everything. My word creates my whole reality. The way I speak about people and things and situations means everything. And since I got that distinction, I will never be reckless with my word ever again. So that's about all we have time for today. 23 things I learned in 2023 that I'll be bringing into 2024. I really hope you guys enjoyed this. It was a bit of a longer one with just me. I'm really still figuring out the logistics of all of this. So of course, I'd love to hear your guys' feedback about the lengths of episodes that you like. I have some shorter ones that are 10 minutes. I just had a feature with my best friend, Rory, that was about an hour. And yeah, I would just love to hear from you guys what you've been liking so far, what you haven't been liking. Your feedback really makes such a world of difference for me. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, this has been the best year of my life. Like really, and... I owe it to all of you guys for supporting my content, supporting my ventures, supporting the crazy ideas I had and didn't fulfill on or or tried and and it didn't work out. And like y'all just have made my whole year and I love you all so much. And thank you for all of your support, whether we know each other or not. Like I love y'all so much. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for such a wonderful year. Like, thank you for the best year of my life. Really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, I wish I could give you all a big hug and kiss. And I hope you guys have an amazing, beautiful, safe New Year's Eve, a wonderful New Year's Day. And until next Sunday, back to you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe and leave a review. It seriously helps me out so much. Now, until next Sunday, back to you.